for being here. That was our pastor, Jason, who uh, will be back with us next week. My name is Cecil. I'm filling in this week to close out our series called Addicted to Me. Um, Up until last week, I was actually one of the pastors here on staff. And I just wanted to take a second before I start to say thank you to everybody who has been so encouraging and positive and, you know, come and give us, you know, high fives and handshakes and hugs, letting us know how much you appreciated us here at River City. It is, it is definitely um, our family, our home away from home. We love you guys. It has been our heart and soul for the past 20 years. And we're not, we're not going anywhere. It's just a nice transition into volunteer um, here at River City. So thank you guys for, for your support and your encouragement during this. Um, I'm actually going to close out the series we've been doing called Addicted to Me. And um, it's been a great series of us trying to break down some myths about how to get more out of your life. Pastor Jason did the first two weeks, and, um, you know, I, I do find it kind of amusing. You know, Jason opened this, and then, um, you know, last week I made the announcement that I'm, you know, stepping out of staff position and, and becoming a volunteer, and then the week after I'm no longer on staff, our entire staff is gone. John is gone this week. Jason's gone this week. So I don't know how that happened. Those guys are like, hey, he's a volunteer. Let's just leave. He'll take care of everything. Um, but, no, it's, it's all good. This had been planned for a while, and and their trip have been planned. And I'm always blessed and honored to get a chance to get up here and, and, and share the word with you guys. So, so what Jason talked about the first couple of weeks is the idea of, you know, getting more out of life by not necessarily doing more things our way, right? We, we sometimes look at our lives and we think, what else could I, could I achieve? What else do I want? How do I get that? How do I, how do I get more out of the life that I'm given? And, and he's kind of breaking some myths that we do that by doing more of our way, more things that we want, and, and introducing this idea that we actually can get a lot more out of life doing things God's way. God has a plan for the way he wants us to live. And, and so over the, the last couple of weeks, um, Jason's been talking about two words. If we start to do things God's way, we want, we want you guys to understand that if we start to follow God's plan for our lives, if we start to do things the way he's called us to, we start to experience two things, revelation and blessing, revelation and blessing, and revelation is kind of this big, scary, churchy word, but it really just means this. I like the way Jason broke it down. He said, "Revelation is understanding a new truth, or being reminded of a truth. Understanding a new truth, or being reminded of a truth." We want you guys to experience revelation. It's also kind of understanding how God thinks. You know, the last book in the Bible, Revelations. It's actually that's what it is. It's it's John, the guy who wrote it, was he was kind of understanding this truth that God was showing him. God's talking to him, and, and so he's getting this revelation, this this new understanding from God about the way things are going to come about. And so he's writing it down. That's really what revelation is. It's just understanding more of of how God thinks and what the truth is through God. And then the other word is blessing. We want you guys to experience blessing, and that's simply just an infusion of hope, a spiritual infusion of hope in your lives. And so we want you guys to have, you know, 2015 to be a year of revelation, a year of blessing. We want you guys to get more out of this year than you ever have. And so to help you get there, uh, one, of the, one of the concepts that Jason introduced in the first week was this. You need to change the way you think about some things. Maybe change the questions you ask. Instead of looking at your life and seeing everything that's going on and everything that you're dealing with and, and your work and your family and, start, and starting this, I, you know, this thought process that says, what else do I need to get done? How do I prioritize? Um, instead of asking, what do I need to do and what needs to get done, you need to start asking a different question. You need to start asking, who do I want to become? Who do I want to become? What do I look like on the other side of this? Who, who is it that God wants me to be? Who do I see myself as in five years, 10 years, 15 years down the line? And am I doing things right now to get me closer to who that person is? Are the decisions I'm making bringing me closer or further away from who it is 
that God wants me to be and that I want to become in my life? And it's a great question to ask. I actually used to say that to my kids all the time. You know, teenagers, especially when, when they know everything and they're making decisions that teenagers seem to make. I, my wife and I raised two kids, and it's always amazing from the outside looking in. Things look great, and people would always tell us, you did such a great job raising your kids. And I'm like, thank you. I love them. But you weren't there for the screaming and the yelling and the, the cussing and the throwing things. And I'd come home from leaving the two of them together, and our biggest prayer when we would start to go out and leave my kids home alone was that they wouldn't kill each other while we were gone. Um, we would walk in, and there would be broken things all over the floor, and I would think, has the house been burgled while you guys were here? And they're like, no, we just got in a fight. And I'm like, you didn't even have the good enough sense to clean up the mess from your fight before I came in, but those were tough years, man, during those, those teenage times when I was trying to ask the boys, who do you want to become when they're little? Um, anybody raising kids right now that's between the ages of, you know, birth to like 8, 9, 10 years old? Anybody got kids that age? And aren't they just so amazing and adorable at that age? They love you. They want to be around you. They look up to you, not just physically, but like they think you are the greatest. My kids used to think I knew everything. And they would come to me with their hands outstretched and say, Daddy, I love you. And I would pick them up and I would just think, God, children are the greatest gift you have bestowed upon mankind. These, are, these kids are amazing and cute and sweet and they will love me forever. And then they hit like 12 or 13. And who knows what happens when they hit that age, man. I, I don't know what kind of teenage demon there is that's crossed our nation that has inhabited every one of our... It's, it's awful because all of a sudden, these beautiful children who think you know everything um, and they thought you were the greatest thing that ever existed, all of a sudden you became the singular point of their disdain in life. They, they don't want to be around you. They don't want to hear what you have to say. If, if their friends are around, God forbid you should talk to your teenager while their friends are around. My kids used to get so upset. And the crazy thing is, like, their, their friends liked me, and my kids hated me even more for that. They were like, stop talking to our friends. And I'm like, I can't help it that I'm cool with your friends. And they're like, oh, my God, Dad, so dumb. Stop it. Just don't say words. We had a rule in my house. Um, I'm an affectionate father. I love my kids. I love to, you know, hug them. I put my arm around my boys. And, and, and they had this rule once they became teenagers. Curtis especially like, had this very specific rule. I'd want to go put my arm around him. He'd pull away and be like, Dad, you get one. That's it. That's how I was allowed to show affection. One pat on the shoulder, and I was done. That's just the, the thing we lived with for so many years. And if I tried to put my arm around him, he'd be like, what's the rule? And I'd be like, love you, son. He's like. So, you know, we, we went through this time where, where they just, they were teenagers, and they were making decisions that all teenagers make and, and messing up and just, you know, just the normal kinds of things. And I would always ask them this question, though. That's the question we want you to ask today. Who do you want to become? What you just did today, the way you're acting. One of our kids was, was a perpetual liar. I don't know what it is from the time he was born until, God, I hope he's over it now. He's, he's out of the house. But he lied about everything. Like, he'd be eating a cookie, and he'd be like, Kyle, did you take a cookie? No. You're holding a cookie in your hand. No, I'm not holding a cookie in my hand. Like, he would lie about everything. And so I would ask, Kyle, picture who you want to become in life. Do you want to be a liar? Dad, I don't lie. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, just please let this sink in. Who do you want to be? Do you want to be this person? And they would get in fights, or they would get in an argument, or they would call somebody a name. And I would just always ask that question. Who do you want to be? Is this the person you want to be? Because you know what? Your future, that, that idea of who I'm going to become, believe it or not, that's entirely in your hands when you define the character of the person you're going to live as. And so when you're starting to ask yourself, how can I get more out of my life, start with that definition. Look at yourself down the line and say, that's the person I want to be. And then ask yourself every day, are the decisions I'm making today getting me closer to who I want to be or bringing me further away? So for the first two weeks 
Jason tried to convince us that we can get there. We can get closer to who it is we should be by, by doing what God wants us to do. God has a plan for us that will bring us revelation and blessing in our lives. And here's how he set it up. Week one, he talked about God's house. And this idea that, that God didn't just create church for us to have a place to come into and sing a couple of songs and hear a nice sermon and then go have a nice lunch. God set up God's house as a place for us to come and, and enjoy time with other believers, to be lifted up by other people who believe as we do, to be encouraged to be given strength to get through, you know, another tough week, another tough day by realizing that there are other people living the life that we're living, striving for the same things that we are. It's a place to be lifted up and encouraged. And so we talked about committing to being in God's house with God's people. Week two, Jason talked about hearing God's voice. This idea that, you know, it's sometimes hearing God's voice sounds, you know, spiritual and supernatural, and it is, but sometimes it's as simple as spending more time in God's word, reading what he has given us, to, to know more about what he has to say. It's all available in his word. So we, we need to commit to reading God's word in a way that's not built on guilt. And so if you didn't get a chance to listen to either of those weeks, check out the podcast. It's available on the website. You can download it there. Those, those first two weeks are a great opening to the sermon. This week, however, we're going to talk about rest, learning to rest. And uh, I, I just want to ask this question. All of you guys in here look like adults who probably could use more rest. How many of you guys would say in my life I could use some more time to rest. I could use some more downtime, some time to relax, unwind, get away from the things in my life that are kind of weighing on me, drawing me down. Um, Jason mentioned in the beginning of this series, we all want more me time. Um, anybody have too much me time? You're like, you know what? Just enough, too much free time. I get to do what I want all the time. I'm sick of it. Anybody, anybody living there? Um, very few of us reach that point in our lives where we get to wake up every day and be like, gosh, too much time to do anything I want. Nothing to do today. If you're there, God bless you, and, and that's awesome, and I hope you're enjoying that. But the, the reality is most of us live in a world where we don't get to choose what we do all the time. We don't get to, to set our own schedules day after day. And um, so this series and this, this, this week or these past three weeks we've addressed going to church, spending time with him. But I want to talk about finding a way to get rest that's spiritual. Because there's this myth about rest. There's this myth that rest is about us. There's this idea that downtime and rest time is just, it's, it's, it is me time. It's just for me, and it's to benefit me. But how many of you guys know that God has a plan for rest for your lives? God has a plan for rest from the very beginning. God didn't just create this world and haphazardly throw it together and say, well, I hope they figure it out. God knew from the beginning how he created us to work, to labor, to be productive, and God built in this idea of rest in our lives. And so I want to talk about that. Rest is very spiritual. God has a way that we should go about it. God has a plan for your rest in your life. And so we're going to talk about that. I'm going to give you a little bit of my background. Like I get this idea that, that we need rest. I've lived uh, running a business here in Louisville for the past 20 or so years. Um, I run a small business alongside my wife. She also works another full-time job along with helping me run this business. And, and as I mentioned, we raised two kids. And so for 20 years, we were you know, raising these kids, running a business, um, on staff at the church, part-time, then on staff at the church as a co-pastor, and, and anybody who's worked in ministry knows that ministry is not part-time, ministry is full-time. And so it was a long time where the idea of rest and doing what we wanted to do all the time just seemed beyond us. But I, but I knew all along and I understood we need to set aside time to rest because it's part of God's plan for our lives. And actually it helped a little bit when the kids went off to college and, um, we experienced, you know, what they call empty nest syndrome or empty nest. You, you guys ever gone through that? Any parents here experiencing that? Empty nesters. How many empty nesters in the house? Let's see them all together. Can I get an amen for how awesome empty nesting is? It's, it's, 
It's one week of the worst feeling you can ever imagine. Like, oh, my God, what will we do? Where are our kids? And after you've cried for like seven days straight, you're like, wait a second. This is, this is amazing. It's like, it's like, it's like force-feeding a baby ice cream who thinks it's going to be terrible, and the whole way you're going in with a spoon, they're like, no, I don't want to experience this awful, mushy, cold feeling in my mouth. No, I don't want ice cream. And then they get ice cream in their mouth, and they're like, oh, my gosh, this is the most incredible thing I've ever had. And so there's some point at which we woke up, and we're like, my goodness, why didn't we kick the kids out when they were 12? We could have, we could have saved so many years of distress. And uh, plus, they knew everything by that point anyway, right? So... <laughs> so anyway, we're going through that. It's, it's, it's actually opened up some time for us. But, but there's, this, there's this reality that we all live in with, with work and family and, and stressful situations that, that rest is something that we need. So I want to just make three quick observations on rest because God agrees with you. God agrees with you. God wants you to rest. But like I said, he has a plan for your rest. So here's three quick things I want to, to mention to you guys. The first thing is this. Lack of rest affects all areas of your life, Okay. It's, it's not just about sleep. That's the point I want to get across here. Sometimes when we say rest, you think about taking a nap or sleeping more, and that's not it. Lack of rest impacts so much more than just physical sleep, right? Does that make sense? Some of us, we can sleep 10 straight hours, but we're still exhausted because there's so many other things going on in our lives and in our minds. And so lack of rest becomes about becoming apathetic, uh, being disinterested, being disconnected in our lives. It affects your job. It affects your relationships. It starts to affect you everywhere. And often it's very easy to recognize in someone else when they're just not resting the right way. I mean, have you ever noticed somebody like that? Anybody here know someone who you can just, you see it in them, you hear it in your vo- their voice that they're just, like they've got to rest. They're worn out, they're overworked, they're exhausted, and they're probably going to snap at any second. You don't want to be around when it happens. You can see it in people. And it's a tough way to live, and it affects so much more than just your sleep time. And so maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you know somebody that's going through that. But that's the first observation is lack of rest is not just about sleep. It's just it's something that affects you and impacts all areas of your life. The second one is this, and this is a big point. The wrong kind of rest doesn't offer renewal. As a matter of fact, my big point for today is this. Real rest brings renewal, right? Real rest brings renewal. The R's just happen to flow together. I didn't mean to do it that way. But real rest, true rest in your life will renew you, recharge you. It'll invigorate you. It'll, you know, it'll put something back into you. But the wrong kind of rest doesn't offer renewal at all. And, and, and we don't even realize that sometimes. We go into something thinking it's going to be restful, and it doesn't seem to help us, and we're just not getting it because we, we, haven't, we haven't really learned to process spiritual rest and what God intended for us. So I want to talk to you for about that one for a second. Because I went through something for a couple of years, uh, back around when I turned 40, called that I like to call my Xbox phase. Any video gamers in the house? Any adult males still play video games like I, like I do? Um, so I went through a phase around age 40 where I thought, you know, I was, I was, like I said, I was tired. I was, I was raising my kids. We were dropping them off at, at, at multiple places, you know, at concerts and ball games and, and working full time, working here most of the time. And I was just like, I need some downtime. And here's what I found during my late 30s, going into my early 40s. My downtime that I could find for me was really like from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m., you know, um, my, my wife would go to bed early because she had to wake up early for work, and, and the kids were either doing homework or in bed for school the next day. And I just found, you know what, 10 o'clock is when I'm kind of on my own. And like a lot of us, I tried to find something to fill my me time. I was just looking for something to fill up my me time. And so what I, what I did was I actually heard Jason and some of the other guys talking about playing this game called Call of Duty on Xbox. And I hadn't played games in a while. 
I grew up playing video games. I was the kid that, you know, I, I had the, the TRS-80 computer. I had an Atari 2600. I was, you know, I was a, a, an, an electronic, you know, nerd. I loved stuff like that. Got into games at a young age, played, you know, Pac-Man, could turn, turn it over, played Space Invaders. Remember those games? Anybody old enough to remember those games? And so to me, those, those were the games, man. Frogger, I played all those. And so I grew up playing games. You know, when the Super Nintendo came out, I got that. When the Sega Genesis came out, I got that. Learned the code for Mortal Kombat. I've told these stories before. I, I loved video games. But when the kids came along, it just I couldn't do it all the time. And so got into other things. Hadn't known a video game system in about 10 years. And, and I'm looking for me time. And I heard Jason talking about Call of Duty. And so I was like, you know what? I think, I think I'll go get uh, an Xbox and, and play this. And here's what, you know, was really appealing to me. It wasn't just the idea of playing games. But it was the idea of connecting with other guys. You get to wear a headset, you know, the really cool-looking headphones with the little mouthpiece, and um, so I could talk to my friends. And it became a social time for me. It became a 10 o'clock rolls around. I get to hang out with guys. Um, don't have to leave the house. Don't have to go out and do anything wrong. We just we get on our headphones. We look super cool. We sound super cool, and we shoot each other. And so I know you're all envious right now. So here's, here's what happened. I... <laughs> Having not played in a while, this really isn't important to the story, but it's really my favorite part. Having not played in a while, I thought, I played video games my whole life. It's like riding a bike, right? I'll get in there. I will annihilate these guys because i got more experience in video games than them, and I'll show them how to play. And so this is a shooting game with, like, a lot more skill and technique than the old single joystick, you know, Pac-Man days, right? And so I'm playing, and I don't know what I'm doing, and I was terrified and I was awful. So I would do what, what we, we call camping, which is kind of what Corey still does when he plays video games, our associate pastor here. But it's, here's, what it, here's what that looks like. I would find a place to hide. So I would, like, find a tree or something, and I would hunker down and hope to God that no one saw me, right? And so I would spend the, most of the game doing this, and then, you know, people would run by, and when they would run by, I would try to shoot them. Now, here's what happens in, a, in some of these games. When you're the last one alive on your team, the other team can, like, their screen goes to your view. So they see you playing while they're dead and waiting to come back to life. They see you. And so I was the last one alive, not because I was good, but because I just found the very best hiding spot and, and didn't put myself out there. And so, so they'd be watching me, and an honest to goodness, you know, one game I was playing, they were watching, and one of the guys on my headset, after I tried to kill someone unsuccessfully and shot, like, you know, all around them like this, he was like, are you having a seizure in your hands? While you're shooting, you're like, what's happening to you right now? Is there something physically wrong? Should we call the doctor? And I'm like, no, I just, just haven't learned to shoot my gun yet. And so, so for me, this was my downtime, though. This was my me time. It was, you know, it was the time I had decided this is how I'm going to live. And I got really good at it, as a matter of fact. Just like anything else you spend day after day doing for a couple of years, I'm way better than Jason and Corey now. They're awful. They're still they're campers, and I'm, I'm amazing now. But, but here's what I got out of all that. By, by spending all this time becoming great at this video game, at the end of about two years, I had put on about 50 pounds, I had high blood pressure, and I was great at a video game. And I didn't feel any better than I did before I decided that's how I'm going to have my me time in my life. Now, look, I'm not, I'm not dissing video games. I still play some. But I played a lot, and I got kind of fat, and I got kind of unhealthy. You know, for me, my downtime was exercising nothing my thumbs and eating Cheetos and Doritos nonstop. And it kind of came to a head, not, not really after my doctor said you got high blood pressure, and if you don't change something about the way you're living, you're going to die. Um, but it came after one night I, was, I had been playing for a while, and I had finished my bag of Cheetos, and I knew there were some Doritos in the cabinet. And I was just like, man, 
I could use some more food. And so I went to, I said, guys, don't start the next game yet. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go get something to snack on. I'll be right back. And I went to get up off the couch, and I did one of these. Like, I, I couldn't get up. I had gained so much weight, and I was so out of shape that it took my breath away to get up off my couch. And I was like, all right, that's it. That's, that's not the life I want to live. And here's, here's the, the, the spiritual point about this. I spent all this time resting, having me time, setting aside time to do whatever I wanted in the way I wanted, and I was in worse shape at the end of it than I was when I started. I was tired all the time. I was exhausted. I felt terrible. I was grumpier because I didn't get enough kills the night before, you know, whatever. I mean, there's just all these dumb reasons that this, that this me time did nothing for me. And a lot of you guys are pouring a lot of time into things that you think are rest. On the other side of it, you're worse off than you were if you hadn't done it at all. Real rest offers renewal. The wrong kind of rest doesn't refresh you. It doesn't renew you. It doesn't put anything back in to your life. I hope you're getting that, that this isn't just about our physical state. It's not just about, you know, exercising or whatever. But, but there's a real spiritual point to this. Because for me, what I found was doing things more productive became more restful in my life. When my doctor said, you got to change something, and I decided I'm going to get up off the couch and I'm going to learn to run. And, I, you know, I run some now. And, and I, running is awful, by the way. Those of you who love it, you're idiots. It's, it's, it's great exercise, and it has become a point of rest for me because I can get out, I can get away, I can think. At the end of running, you wouldn't think this, right, but you, you run, you exercise, you do something that's physical exertion. At the end of it, I feel better than when I started. My blood pressure went down. I lost weight. I started living my life feeling more refreshed because I was doing what? More physical exertion? Doesn't that seem counterintuitive sometimes? Work harder, do more things. But here's why that was rest for me. I'm spending all day sitting at a desk in a chair at a computer looking at a screen. And then I would get home and I would think, you know what, i got to do something restful. So I'm going to sit on a cushy chair in front of a screen. And that wasn't restful. It wasn't good for me. I started finding ways to do things that poured back into my life. So I'm doing things to, to help my physical self. I'm doing things to help my mental self. I'm able to think more. I'm able to process more. I'm able to spend time with God while I'm out there. And so I started learning real rest in my life are the things that bring me renewal, the things that, that recharge me, the things that invigorate my soul and my spirit and my physical body. And at the end of all of those things, like I said, my blood pressure went down. I felt better. I felt more motivated. I felt more energized. And all of a sudden, I started to understand some spiritual aspects of what God's talking about when he says, I can find rest. And that brings me to my third thought, because real rest offers renewal, but the third observation is this. Real rest only comes through God. Real rest only comes through God. Like I said, God has a plan for our rest. He had a, he had a design in place from the very beginning that says, you are built to work, but you are also built to have rest time, and your real rest comes in me. Matthew chapter 11 is a verse that, that Pastor Jason actually read to us at our, our elders meeting last weekend. And it's a great verse, and it talks about rest. Matthew chapter 11, it says this, Come to me, all of you who are weary, and all of you who carry burdens, and I will give you rest. He's telling us he is the source of our rest. He says, Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. That's the New Living Translation. But check this one out. I, I rarely teach out of the message translation of the Bible. It's, it's a good paraphrase to read, but, but I like the way it reads in this one. This is, again, the words of Jesus, and he says this in Matthew chapter 11. It says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, 
and you will recover your life. I will show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it, Jesus says. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Jesus says, I won't lay anything on you that's heavy or ill-fitting. Keep company with me, and you will learn how to live freely and lightly. How many of you guys think that sounds like an awesome life? How many would like to live that kind of life? Nothing heavy, nothing burdensome, nothing, nothing weighing you down. And Jesus says, listen, if you're stressed, if you're tired, if it's too much for you to bear, I'm the source of rest. I'm who you need to see. Real rest is found in God. So I want to give you guys some practical thoughts about what that looks like because it's, it's one thing to say rest in God, it's, but maybe you're sitting there like, like a lot of people and you're like, what does that look like? What does that mean? What am I supposed to do with that? And, you know, how does that change my thought process? Is that just praying more? I mean, certainly that's an aspect of it. But there's some other, other things I want you to think about when you think about resting in God because if you're going to do it God's way, you've got to know that, that it looks a certain way. So here's the first thought is resting in God means trusting in him to get you through when you feel like quitting. Trusting in him to get you through when you feel like quitting. That's, uh, that's another one of those things that sounds counterintuitive on the, on the surface of it, right? The, the truth is in our, in our society, in our generation, a lot of us are quitters. We just give up. Things get tough and we're like, I can't do it. I can't hold on. I can't keep going. And we want to bail out. And sometimes this idea of trusting in God, of resting in God means, you know what, I'll get you through when it's not time to quit because I do have rest planned. I do have a place for you on the other side. There's this great story in the Bible that illustrates this perfectly. It's um, Gideon, who's a you know, prophet of God, a guy that did a lot of great things for God, um, who's actually called upon in Judges chapter 8 to lead the Israelites against uh, the Midianites, who were godless, you know, God-hating people who were trying to, to take over the land that God had given to the Israelites. And so God sends Gideon out with an army to drive out the Midianites. And so Gideon's doing something he knows he's called on by God to do. And here's what it says in, in a few verses here in Judges chapter 8. It says, Gideon crossed the Jordan River with his 300 men. And though exhausted, they were tired. They, they didn't want to go on. Though exhausted, they continued to chase the enemy. When they reached Sukkoth, which is this town, Gideon asked the leaders of the town, can you give my warriors some food? He says, they're tired. And I'm doing God's work here. I'm chasing out. Zeba and Zalmunah, the kings of Midian. I'm doing what God's called us to do, but we're tired, we're exhausted, we're hungry. Can you give us some food? And the, the officials of Sukkoth replied, catch Zeba and Zalmunah first, and then, then we'll feed your army. And Gideon faces this multiple times as, he, as he's pursuing the Midianites, doing what God's called them to do when they're tired, they're worn out, they're hungry. And Gideon has this choice to make. And it's the same one many of us face over and over again in our lives, do I keep going or do I bail out? Can I hang in there when I'm tired? Can I, can I keep going? Because rest is a God thing, man. I need to rest. And, and what God reminds us of is he has a plan for our lives that involves so much work and so much rest. And sometimes we bail out when we're not supposed to and we're not doing it God's way. So part of resting is trusting in God to get us through. And here's what Gideon did. Gideon continued to pursue, and it's kind of a tough story because the people who turned him down for food, they end up paying for it later. But, but at the end of it, Gideon continues to do what God's called him to do. He doesn't give up when it's not time to give up. He doesn't quit when it's not time to quit. And, and he trusts in God. And here's what happens in verse 28 at the end of it. 
The Midianites are, are driven out, and it says that's the story of how the people of Israel defeated Midian, which never recovered. And here's the great part. Throughout the rest of Gideon's lifetime, which was about 40 years, there was peace in the land. Gideon, because he didn't quit when it wasn't time to quit, because he trusted in God to give him enough strength to keep going even when he was tired, God gave him 40 years of peace in the land. Isn't that an amazing other side of that story? And here's what I want to encourage some of you. Maybe, maybe you're 40 years, your equivalent of 40 years of peace. As I was on the other side of a couple more years of work. Maybe your, maybe your week of rest is at the end of another couple of months of not giving up. Maybe your time of, of peace in your family comes after working at it a little bit longer and saying, I can't give up right now because God's called me to continue to, to work, to pursue, to go after something in my life. Part of learning God's rest in your life is saying, God, I'm going to trust you right now when I'm tired because I know it's not time to quit. And then understanding that on the other side of it, what if I told you that your, your blessing, your revelation, your rest is on the other side of a little bit more work, just don't quit when God wants you to keep going. God has, God has prepared us and, and, and developed us to be productive, to work, to get things done. And, and, and unfortunately, some of us, we put our rest first. This is another principle I try to teach my kids when they were young. Rest is so much more rewarding. And we've done what we have to do first so we can enjoy what we want to do later. Does that, make, does that make sense to you guys? Does anybody live that way? Get done what you got to get done so you can really enjoy what you want to do. Do what God's called you to do. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't bail out. Trust in him to get you through. The second thing, resting in God, it looks like, means allowing him to renew your mind. If you're going to rest in God, don't give up when it's not time, but you've got to give him the opportunity to renew your mind. There's a verse that we read all the time in churches. It's Romans chapter 12. It says this, don't conform to the pattern of this world. Don't just do what you see everybody else doing. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing, perfect will. Renewing of your mind, and that means learning what God wants me to do. It goes back to what Jason taught us last week and the week before. Hear God's word. Ask him what he wants of you. Spend time in the Bible. Renew your mind. Do something that puts something back into you. God will renew your mind if you allow him to. And the third thing resting in God looks like is this taking your needs to him so you can have peace. There's, I talk about this, this often when I pray for people, this, this idea. There's a verse in the Bible that talks about peace, which passes all understanding. And we're going to read that one. Let's go ahead and look at that one. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. It says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Whatever you're going through, whatever's weighing you down, whatever chaos you're dealing with, instead of being, you know, on edge, instead of being worried, instead of going crazy about this, here's what we want you to do. Just let God know. Tell God what you need. Tell God what's going on. And here's what it says in verse 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I pray this for people all the time, and I call back on this verse, and I try to say it in a way that makes sense, but I call it a peace that doesn't make any sense. God, when our life is chaos, when we're dealing with sickness and illness and and work situations and family situations, things, God, that are weighing on us heavy. God, give us a peace that doesn't even make sense. When everybody else is looking at us saying, how do those guys look so calm and so peaceful and so happy when everything around them is going crazy and it's chaos? We have this peace that doesn't make sense. Resting in God gives us just something inside that says, I'm okay. 
no matter how bad it looks, I trust in God, I believe in God, and I have a peace that doesn't make sense to anyone else. If pushing in on the tough times, seeking scripture for the renewal of your mind, and praying for peace doesn't always sound like rest, then you don't understand the principle of renewal. Remember what I said, real rest brings renewal. You need to find things that pour back into your life. If you want to rest, if you want to recover, you need to find some things to do that pour back into you. And you've tried it your way. How many times have we, have we done things the way we think we should do them? How many times have we, you know, gone about, you know, it's been a tough, a tough day. The kids have screamed and yelled all day. I burnt the dinner. We're fighting, not getting along with my spouse. Maybe you had a bad week at work. You're exhausted from work. Your boss is yelling at you. You don't like your coworkers. They're all idiots, which may or may not be true. But at the end of it all, you just, you need to get away and you want to do things your way and you've got to de-stress. And we do all these things that we think are restful in our lives, right? We do all these things that we think, if I can just finish today, if I can make it to 5 o'clock, man, punch that clock and get home and do the things I like to do. For a long time, I was an emotional eater. Any emotional eaters in here? Anybody have a tough day and, like, nothing sounds better than busting open that tub of ice cream and just chowing down? And so, so we go home and we, we eat. We eat the ice cream. We eat the, the Oreos. When my kids come home for Christmas break and they buy Oreos, I'm like, you better eat all those or you better hide them from me because if I have a tough day, I'm eating a whole sleeve. And, and so we do the things that, that we know aren't necessarily good, for, but they sound restful at the time. They sound good, and so, so we eat. I'm just like, man, i got to get away. i got to de-stress. And so, so I chow down on some food. I'm, I'm emotional eating. I'm trying to pour something into myself that sounds good. Maybe, maybe you're more the, the social person. I'm kind of social, and so maybe you've had a real, real rough week at work and you hate all your coworkers. So you're like, I can't wait to get with my friends. We gotta go find where something's going on. We gotta find places that are that are happening, that are lively, and let's just get the heck out of work and go to someplace fun. And so Friday night rolls around, and you you're looking for a place to have some cocktails. You're going out with your friends, and you just you party as hard as you can until 2 a.m. Thinking this is it. I just had to I had to de-stress. I had to get away. So you're you're pouring more time into doing something that's for you. Me time, man. You're finding more me time. Maybe maybe, and this is probably more common for most of us. Maybe your me time sounds more like my Xbox time and, and you got Netflix. How many of you guys have ever binge watched a show on Netflix? You're like, man, school was awful, work was awful, and I got to, cut, I got to get in three seasons of Gilmore Girls this weekend. Has anybody ever done that? Any, anybody ever gone into a Friday night and you're like, man, work was bad, and from now until Monday morning, the entire goal of my life is to watch six seasons of Bones or, you know, you just find whatever your show is, Scandal, you know, Friends, Grey's Anatomy. Somebody, like, I got, an, I got a Netflix account, and my kids share my password with everybody. So sometimes I go on, and it's like shows that you watched. And the other day I turned it on, it's like recently watched shows, Grey's Anatomy. I'm like, I've never seen, you've been watching Grey's Anatomy? She's like, nope, it ain't me. We think we know who it is, but somebody's been binge watching Grey's Anatomy. You find your show, and you just, you think I'm going to spend all weekend and I'm going to know everything there is to know about friends. And so you're filling yourself up with things that seem restful and sound restful. But how many of you guys have ever woken up on a Monday morning, you spent all weekend doing what you wanted to do, you did your plan, you did your thing, and then Monday morning you're exhausted and you feel awful and you don't feel refreshed and you don't feel renewed. Has anybody ever lived there before? Have you ever been what I've been through? Monday mornings for me, they're kind of like this. After a week, do, weekend doing everything I wanted to do. That's, that's how I sound waking up on Monday morning, just crying like, God, no, I need one more day. Has anybody ever lived that? 
And at the end of it all, you go back into work. You had all the me time you wanted for three or two and a half days, and you just you feel more deflated than you did on Friday at 5 o'clock when you got off work. This is the reality, man. This is, this is the reality that so many people live in because we think that doing nothing or doing everything we want is rest. And that's not the biblical definition of rest, man. Being deflated at the end of it all, getting nothing poured back into your life is not what God's talking about when he talks about rest. God wants you to have spiritual renewal. God wants you to have your mind renewed, your soul refreshed. Think about, think about the things that you're resting from. There's a couple of questions I want to ask you as we close out this morning because here's what it's all about. It's really about, about these two questions. First question is this. What are you resting from? What are you resting from? That, that might help you to figure out what it is that you need to do, who you need to become. Because I mentioned earlier, you know, I would, I would go home and sit on my couch and, and watch my TV or play my, my video games, and I was sitting on a chair all day, and, and really what I was needing to rest from was this idea of taking care of customers and dealing with broken machines and dealing with employees that don't like each other. And, and so there's a little bit of, you know, just tension all day at work. And so really what I needed to recover from was tension. And I turned on a video game that created more tension in my life because if you've ever seen a guy play video games, how many of you guys have broken some controllers because they know how to bring some tension into your life because of those camping idiots that keep hiding in the corners and shooting you when you're trying to play the game the right way? Like it would bring tension. And I realized I need, a, I need a release from tension. And I'll tell you, as much as I, I, I don't like the idea right now of going out and running, I know at the end of a run, I release some tension. I need a release from tension. And so, so what I found from God is I do things that don't create tension in my life, but rather they offer some, some renewal in my life. Maybe, maybe you're dealing with people all day and you're not a people person, and that's hard for you, and that's bringing stress on you. And so, so instead of going out and partying with your friends, you need to find some downtime, some alone time. Read a book. Read the Bible. Pray. Spend some time with just you and God and pour something into your life that offers renewal. What is it you're resting from? Maybe you are dealing with just needing physical rest. Maybe you're one of those people who actually has a physical job and you're exhausted. And maybe for you, your downtime, it really is just coming home and saying, I've been on my feet all day. I burned 6,000 calories today. I need to just sit down and rest and, and think about what it is that I want to do next and where I want to go with my life and who God wants me to be and spend time thinking about what God wants in your life. When you start to understand the spiritual aspects of rest and what it is that God has called you to do and who it is that God has called you to be and you start to understand I'm resting from the things that are pulling out of me and you learn to start doing the things that God has for you, things that put stuff back into your life, right? Not, not the things that at the other side of it eating a bag of Cheetos, playing video games, the things that at the end of all that, you feel even worse. You feel even more tired. But God has some things in your life that can pour back into you. Think about this. Jason talked the first week about coming to church. You know what one of the most refreshing things in life is? Spending time with, with other people who believe in God. Spending time with other people who can encourage you and say, you know what, I've been where you are. I lived through the situation you're living through. Let me tell you what I did to get through. Let me, let me pray for you right now while you're dealing with that. Being around other people, living in the same world, dealing with the same garbage, dealing with the same junk, who can stand beside you and say, you know what, I'll be your friend through this. I'll stand with you while you're going through something that I can relate to. It's refreshing. That's rest. God's people, God's word, 
praying to God, just spending time thinking about God. Jason told me the other day, he's, he started running. He used to make fun of me for running because he didn't like it, but now all of a sudden he started running, and, and this isn't about running or exercise. It's just about finding something to pour into yourself. But he ran six miles a couple of weeks ago, he told me, as long as he's ever run, which, by the way, that's ridiculous. People who do that are idiots. But he ran six miles. It's just too much for me. I can't do it. But he ran six miles, and the entire time he ran, he said he prayed. He said at the end of that 50 minutes of running, I felt more refreshed and better than I'd ever felt in my life because I spent 50 straight minutes talking to God. doesn't sound like running for 50 minutes is rest, but this man found rest by spending 50 minutes with God, getting away from the, you know, the stress and, and the monotony and the chaos and the whatever it is you go through on a daily basis. Sometimes you just got to figure out, what am I resting from? And find what it is that God has for you in those moments instead of just the me time when you're pouring in stuff that's, that's not healthy. It's like, being, it's like being on the other side of, I haven't eaten for three weeks and I need some nutrition. I need something to fill me up. I need something to, to put back in my body. And you find a box of Twinkies and you eat the entire box of Twinkies. How do you think you feel at the end of that? You were hungry and you needed food, but you just put something into you that doesn't offer anything of nutritional value. This is what rest should be. Man, I'm tired. I need some rest. So I'm just going to sit around and do nothing. And let my brain rot on Gilmore Girls. Look, I'm not. I'm not down on that. I'm. You know. I'm binge watching Parenthood sometimes. But, but you got to limit that stuff. You got to figure out what am I doing, that's lifting me up. What am I doing that's renewing me? What am I doing that's building my mind? That's building my body? That's lifting my spirit? What am I doing that God wants me to do? Am I becoming who God wants me to be? Because your times of rest can draw you closer to that. And then you feel like this. You feel like your your burdens are just lighter. God has promised us that his burden is light and his yoke is easy, and he's not going to put things on you to weigh you down. He's going to lift your spirit. That's what rest looks like. The last question is this. When are you resting? We haven't really talked about the Sabbath. For a lot of us, the Sabbath is is a Sunday. When are you resting? When have you set aside time in your life to rest? Because I'm telling you, if you're just sitting around saying, I hope it happens, it's not going to work, man. Guys and, and, and wives, husbands and wives, we know if you're going to have a date night, you've got to plan it. Sabbath is kind of the same way. Rest time in your life, you've got to say, you know what, I'm going to do it on this day at this time. I'm going to set aside some time in my life to rest, and I'm going to do it God's way. The Bible actually has a plan for it. God, from the very beginning, has this, this idea, once per seven days, we, get, we should be getting a full day of rest. God calls it the Sabbath. Essentially, it's one day in seven that we don't work. It's, it's a day that we make time to spend with family, with God, recovering from the labor that he's called us to. God did call us to work. But he also called for us to set aside that time to rest. Sabbath is is really just a day where we're not defined by what we produce, right? It's a day where we don't feel like I've got to get anything done. I just need to to recover. But if you do it the right way, if you do it spiritually, at the end of that, you'll be refreshed. You'll be renewed. You'll be able to go back out and do it again and do exactly what God's called us to do. It's a cycle that works. It's a plan that God created from the beginning. And I just want you guys to think about that. Look at your life. Find some designated times in your life that you can honor God on your Sabbath day. Let's pray. God, I thank you this morning. I love you. I ask, Father, that you just continue to bless our church, God, our people. God, that as we do what you have called us to do in our lives, God, as as we look at ourselves and try to become who you have called us to be, God, that you allow us to find a time to rest, God, that you allow us to find a time to be renewed, Father, that we would understand what that means in our lives, we would understand what that looks like 
for each of us. With everybody with your heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody's looking around this morning, I want to do something really important and just take a second and say, maybe maybe you're here today and, and you get what I'm saying, that God offers rest, but but maybe, maybe you don't even know Christ this morning. Maybe you haven't even built that relationship with him. If that's you today, I'm going to ask you to do something here in just a second that I promise we're not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to stand or, or, or come up front, but we do want to connect with you and put something in your hands that we think will help you make that next step. So if that's you this morning, you say, you know what? I hear what you're saying about rest, but I need to know Jesus first. If that's you, can you just raise your hand and look up here and make eye contact with me? Just raise your hand and say, I need that relationship with Jesus today. And we're going to bring something to you. Just keep it up until they get to you. When they give you this bag, you can put your hand down. It's just some things that we want to give you that we think will help you understand where to go next. Anybody else this morning that says, I just, I need Jesus in my life, man. I I'm all about the rest, but I got to have Jesus first. Yeah, several hands going up. Anyone else this morning that says, I need Christ in my life? Keep them up till they get to you. We've got a couple more. Anybody else this morning? Several hands. I need Christ in my life. And once they've given you the bag, you can put it down. I need Jesus. Just another couple of seconds. Anyone else today says, I need to welcome Christ into my life? All right, as we close out, here's what I want us to do, guys. I want us to, to pray together. And I'm going to pray for rest, but we're also going to pray this prayer together for everybody that raised their hand saying, I need the rest of God, but I also need Christ in my life. I need to know him. I need him to save me, to forgive me, to welcome me in. And so we guys just all kind of pray this together with me. It's not the words that change your life. It's not any specific way that you say it. It's just about meaning what you say. So you can pray your own prayer if you want, but, but I'd like us to all just pray this together in encouragement and support of those who raise their hands saying, I need Jesus this morning. Can we do that? Let's say it together. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. I need you to save me. I am a sinner, and every time I fall, I need you to lift me up. I need you to guide me. I need you to direct me, and I need you to protect me. I will trust in you. And I will do the very best I can to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.